Welcome to today's episode of Musings with Jesus. My name is Shola. I'm your host. Thank you for joining me. I hope you're well. I hope all is good with you in your world. I hope everything is great. Um, I really apologize. I haven't been recording as often as I should have because I've been moving around quite a bit and it's just been a little bit hectic um, trying to just synchronize things. Um, you know, so my routine is a little bit different, but I get my groove back again. But anyways, here I am. Um, it's a Saturday morning. It's a pretty cold morning where I am. Very different from you know my usual spot. But anyway, it's all good. We thank God. Um, this is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Um, so we're in the fifteenth day of April. I like this year because it's growing really fast. I like it when years move fast. I, I really do. I don't like years that just come. And I don't know why I'm in a hurry. <laughs> but but I just like that sense of, oh, the year is moving fast. I, I, I really don't know. I don't know. I, I, I think it's because I want life. And this, maybe I'm not a very patient person. I like, I just like it. I just, I don't want, I like things to, I like progress. Let's put it that way. I really don't like stagnation. I like the sense of feeling like, things are moving on you know we're making progress I, I don't really know why i'm like that but anyway that's how i am so i i like a, i like it when a year feels like oh time is great because it just gives me a sense that for me to be feeling that way that means you know i have more to do than the time or i don't know i just i just like it i don't like it when i'm like i just feel like a year is dragging I feel I don't know I can't I have to I have to unpack why I, I think that's a bad thing but I'm always happy when I say like oh this year is going fast I, I, I don't know it just gives me a sense of oh that means things must be happening I must be busy I must be doing stuff I must be getting things done I don't know if that's really the case but that's how I feel anyway so today I want to reflect on something that has really been top of mind for me for a very long time um, and if you are someone who has listened to this podcast before you'd have heard me say some of the things that I'm going to say or reflect on and um, I, I apologize in advance because um, this podcast is really just about me musing on things that are top of mind for me so sometimes I stay in a particular space for quite a while because you know that's the way it is um, you know, and then some other times I then move off. And you can actually tell when I move off because I really move off. I don't even remember that I ever spoke about those things. And um, you know, and and I have come to appreciate that because I think God deals with us at times and in seasons. And sometimes, if you're in a particular place at some time, you need to tarry in that space. You know what I'm saying? You need to tarry in it. Don't be in a hurry. It's like when you are cooking. You know, you want to. You want to cook a very special dinner, you know, and there are certain steps. Have you ever found that if you're someone that cooks, that if you hurry up the process, particularly the process that you know that works for you, that works for, you know, the recipe or the the um, kind of taste or, you know, meal that you're trying to get or cook, or, or you know, if you skip it or you hurry through, you're not going to get the, 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 the right results, the results that you want. Sometimes it may even, it may even go horribly bad. I mean, I've, I've seen that happen so many times that sometimes even just taking out one, you know, seemingly inconsequential bit from the recipe can change the taste of the dish. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me how God has made the world so precise that every 
you know, part of the recipe, add something. There is nothing, you know, I mean, if I want to use my favorite meal, jollof rice, Nigerian jollof rice, whenever, I mean, I have a, 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 every every family has a standard recipe. We all have how we cook it. And of course, some people are better than others, but yeah, let's not go into that. So I have my standard jollof rice recipe. And anytime I miss out a process or an ingredient in the process, I can tell, even when I'm tasting it, I can tell, oh my goodness, this is, yeah, I've missed out on the smokiness, I've missed out on this, I've missed out on that. You know, I can tell. Even if sometimes I, I even in the process, if I spend, if I fry the peppers too much or too little, I get, you know, it doesn't cover up. There's nothing I can do further on the line that will cover up that process. At the end of the day, I, I, I will sense it when I'm tasting it that oh my goodness yeah it's because i didn't fry it as well so i make a note of it and next time i say okay i shouldn't skip that process so i am learning to standardize my process for cooking my nigerian jollof rice when i particularly want it done the way that i want because i've seen that man it just doesn't work any other way and it's it's almost it's, you can't reverse the process after you've done that so anyways you've heard enough about my nigerian jollof rice the same way it is when i um i think when we're, we're going through times and seasons God sometimes wants us to stay. There's a process that we need to go through. And in our hurry, sometimes we want to like, oh, sidetrack certain process and be like, oh, let's keep this. I don't need it. But it's not, if we do that and we circumvent what God is trying to, you know, make us go through, the end result is not going to be what God wanted and what is best for us and what he knows that we would like. Because at the end of the day, God is really working towards a win-win. That's one thing notice about God. He's not looking for a win-lose and definitely he's not. I mean, it's the devil that does that. The devil wants to win and everybody else lose, which is why I really wonder why people follow him. It's just as I'm saying, because he's like the most selfish human being, creature on the face of the, in the, ever in, in the universe, you know. He, he's, he's just in it for himself, but somehow he's been able to get people to just align with him and what he does is that he gives them what looks like a shared stake for a short period of time. And then at some time, he just cashes out or he demands something from you that is going to take from you much more than he gave to you. But God doesn't do that. God, The Bible says that the blessing of the Lord makes which doesn't add any sorrow to it. So um, anything that you sacrifice for the sake of God, God actually gives you back a hundred and a million fold. In fact, he has even paid it up front by giving himself, first of all, you know, and he's paid, the ransom that he has paid is what we cannot pay back. So there's even no, it's already uneven from the get-go. And this is why he's so different from the devil and from the you know the way things are done in the world and the kingdom of darkness and all of that and he's a very 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 good god and this leads me into what i want to reflect about and i thank you holy spirit for creating a very lovely segue into where we were going even though i started off really randomly i have been reflecting on how different our practice of the faith and when i say our i mean majority of the mainstream Christian faith circles in my context in Nigeria, how different it is. And northern, I mean, southern Nigeria, I would say northern Nigeria. No, this doesn't apply to northern Nigeria. I continue to make this disclaimer because I, I believe that northern Nigerians are closer to the biblical standard of Christianity than southern, uh, southern Christians in Nigeria. The southern Christians in Nigeria are doing something that I can only describe as, first of all, it's like an inspirational self-motivation and self-activation type thing um, you know 
very very self-focused and i don't understand where that's coming from because everything about the bible god makes it very clear that when he saves you he saves you so that you can save others in fact the first thing jesus says after you give you know he says if any man be in christ is a new creature all things are passed away all things have become new all things um are now of god who has reconciled himself to us and then given unto us the ministry of reconciliation to reconcile other people as well so jesus is running a train the trainer program he said to the disciples follow me and i will make you fishers of men he doesn't say follow me and i will make your life better yes i will he does say come unto me all ye that labor and are heavy laden and i will give you rest he says learn of me and i will you know i will give you rest find you rest for your souls but he also says i'll make you fishers of men the bible also tells us that god describes god as the god of all comfort i think that's second corinthians um, one of you know, ten or one also um God, he describes God as God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our tribulations so that we can then comfort others with the same comfort that he has comforted us. We are blessed. God intends to bless us so that we can be blessings to other people. And this is not just about financial and material things, which really has become like, I don't know, the way people talk about money now, is like money solves every problem. The materialism in the church of God is so satanic, it's so evil, I don't even understand it. I attended a church service on Sunday. Every single testimony that came from the pulpit was all about money, all about money. And I'm like, really, are you telling me that you guys, you don't have problems, like all the problems you have are financial? Man, as in money would solve all your problems. You, you, you are really lucky. Because for some of us, money is, is not, and, and I'm not saying that I don't have financial problems. I'm saying... The problems that I have are, are not problems that can be solved with money. The challenges that I've had to deal with, they're not financial. And I know, um, so I'm not, uh, let me put this properly. I'm not saying that I don't have financial problems. I'm saying I have faced problems that money, all the money in the world could not solve. And that was what I've been dealing with for the last two or three years. So I had to go to God because science and medicine couldn't help me. So that changed my outlook. So it made me realize that following Christianity in a way that took only the materialism of God's blessings, if at all there's any materialism in it, and left the spiritual blessings that Jesus has blessed us in heavenly places, it, it changed the ranking and put materialism, which really is nothing, and then put spiritual blessings, which is what Jesus actually came and died for. Ephesians 1 tells us that he, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. That is the prize of the New Testament. That is what we are all supposed to be spending all our time and our effort seeking the face of God, walking with God, practicing the faith to understand what those blessings and how we can walk in them. Rather, we're looking for how we can pay our bills. And please, don't get me wrong, I do understand that you need to pay your bills, but what I'm saying is that <clears throat> life is more than paying bills. And the fact that I'm even having to explain this just shows you the difference between how far we have walked away from what the gospel is 
when Jesus called the apostles, they forsake everything. They left everything. Okay, yes, we understand that this is a different time. We also understand that the apostles needed to do that because this was Jesus. It was his ministry. He was setting things down. Yes, I get that. That we may not need. We don't need to do that now. There may be some people, depending on where they find themselves in the world, they may have to do that. Maybe missionaries into some places. But those of us that are city-based um, Christians living in metropolitan places and you know yeah by, by and large you have internet wi-fi you may not need to do that you may not we do not need to do that but if god leaves you fine but the point i'm making is that christianity has never been about materialism never because the old testament provided all of those physical natural blessings and god still found that it was not enough in fact solomon after he became rich his heart departed from god So, this whole fascination that we have with materialism as Christians, and in Matthew 6, Jesus was talking a lot, he spent a lot of time talking about this, he said that, you know, he didn't want, he said, do not spend all your time, you know, seek not, uh, I want you to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he said, don't go taking all your time, thinking about what you eat, what you drink, food for the body, you know, don't get so caught up in all of those things because even that's how the children of the world also follow after these things but seek ye first the kingdom of god and its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you you and what has happened i think for mainstream christianity in pentecostal charismatic circles particularly in my local context in nigeria is that we have done exactly what jesus said we shouldn't do in matthew 6 33 but we've couched it as a practice of the faith so that it doesn't look as if I am chasing after material things so long as I'm praying about it so long as every time I come to church I'm talking about it so long as I'm testifying of God's goodness so long as I'm blessing God with it so long as I am paying tithes and offerings whereas it is just the deception of the devil you are still materialistic because a situation where you are talking to God 80% of your, my prayers if 80% of my prayers to God are just about material things I'm not talking about how God can make me more spiritual, more righteous, more holy. I'm not even trying to build a relationship with him. I'm just purely transactional. Okay, so let's put this in context now. Imagine I have a husband. We're married. And every time we're talking, I'm not interested in how he's... I'm not interested in his health. I'm not interested in how I can support him. All I'm talking is bills. As in, that's all. That's all we're talking about. Like, eight out of ten conversations... It's about give me money. I need money for this, and I know that that's. <laughs> that's I know many people's relationships are like this, but if your relationship is like this, then I'm sorry, you do not have a relationship. What you have is that is purely transactional. There is no intimacy. There is probably no love. There is no long-term commitment. You are business partners at best. Even business partners, really, you, you, if 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 you're not concerned about how the person is doing, then I really really wonder why you are in business together. So. That's the kind of relationship that we're having with God. Because everything... And for me, what is so ridiculous about it is that this is a God that... He's already telling you that the promise he has given you is of eternal life. He has made it very clear to you that he doesn't think much of this world. And that he's even going to bring everything in this world to an end. He has also said to you that the worth of a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he has. He has also said that when he gets to heaven, he's not going to, and we, when we all die and leave this body and we face judgment... We're not going to be judged based on what we have, what we achieved, what we built, how much money we had. He said all of those things. He told us, don't set your heart on things on this earth. He's made it very clear. 
He's even said it is very hard for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. He's made it so, as in, there are like a thousand scriptures talking about this, you know, um, Christian worldview, making it very clear that material wealth is doesn't count as far as God is concerned. But you know what? What has happened is that we have had a lot of leaders who have pushed materialism simply because they need the cash to fund the programs and the activities of the church. So, they, you know, we've made materialism look like a virtue so long as you use it to serve God. Whereas what it has done is made all of us fixated on acquiring wealth and money to be able to fulfill our own lusts, really, just so that we can, you know, have a good life. And yes, we, we then do some charitable things just like the way non-Christians do. And what has happened, like, because I've observed, I've, I've lived through this in Nigeria, what has happened is that the church has now lost its power, by and large. I mean, really, when last did you hear of someone, like, getting, you know, all those healing miracles we used to hear and everything? These days, people are falling sick, and it's, if doctors can help you, fine. If doctors can help you, man, that's it. You know what I'm saying? You do hear them, you know, maybe, if I'm, most of the testimonies that I hear these days are testimonies of people who have sought God, God has dealt, like in the privacy of their homes, in fellowships, outside the church walls. Most of the testimonies inside church now are about money. I got visa, I got a job, I got a car. That's, it's about this life, here. But the power miracles, you know what I'm saying? Because I don't consider financial miracle a power miracle. Because really, I mean, you're telling me that it's God that did it, but I don't know. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I, I really don't know. I don't know what you did. So, you know, but... There are those kind of miracles when, for instance, demonic oppression, ah, that one is God, because the devil will not cast out himself. Jesus told us that, you know, anything that has to do with oppressions, healings, those miracles, eh, eh, that's, you know, those kind of things, they're not happening in the church the way they used to happen before. They're still happening, but most of the time on the private prayer altars, when people really get down with God one-on-one. And that's fine. But I'm saying we need to be aware. I need to be aware as a Christian. So I am on a life's quest. Well, actually, that's not fine because that's not the way it is because I think more people, we had more impact as a church when this was happening inside the church walls and outside the church walls. Now it's not happening inside the church walls anymore. It's not. It's not what you have going on in the church walls. And again, I'm talking Southern Nigeria, charismatic Pentecostal circles, majorly Orthodox churches. I can't really speak for those because I, I don't attend those congregations. Although I think they seem to be even nearer to a more sincere practice of the faith than whatever it is that is going on in charismatic circles now. So I will just read, and I spent a lot of time talking about this, but I know the Lord, well, as the Spirit has led, so I'm not too worried. Um, the scripture I wanted to read was, um, I think, Matthew chapter 20, and um, starting from, where am I going to? I think 28 or so. Yes, okay, from 24. So I read from 23. So this was one of um, those experiences where Jesus was having conversations with his disciples and they asked him some questions. I really like the disciples because they made the best of the time with Jesus. They asked they asked them questions. They were good students. They asked so many questions. And Jesus used the opportunity to, um, you know, to teach. And that's why we have those, like, question and answer moments. So it's almost like we were part of these tutorial classes. It was really good. I really liked that. They were they were students. And I think he picked his disciples really well because 
and I guess that was the Jewish culture. They saw him as a rabbi, so as a teacher, and they were students. So really, a lot of his teachings was we listening to like the class, we're like watching the podcast, you know, we're like a recording of the of the class. So it's, it's, I, I I love the Bible, I really do. I like it because it's a, a teaching Bible. You know, it's not just a preaching Bible; it's a teaching Bible. I, I, I like that. And God knew that people like me who, who like to be taught in a scholarly manner will read the Bible, you know. So, yeah. I, I, and God bless every single man and woman that contributed to putting this work together and, you know, being led of God and being used of God. It's a fantastic work. I, I count myself really blessed that I live at this time when the Word of God is bound together in a, in a book. I can read it and read it on my smartphone. I can have it on my laptop. It's just there for me and I can read it by myself. I don't have to depend on anyone to read it for me. And that the Holy Spirit is here to you know, explain to me. And I can just spend the whole of, of my days just pondering and reflecting and of course practicing that word as well. So anyways, um, so let me start reading from verse 21. Book 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. Verse 22, you don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. Verse 24, and again, this is where God really freaks me out because he's three in one, but the way they... You know, the reverence that Jesus has for God the Father, I don't just get it between them, you know, because they're like, ah, it's amazing. They are three in one. It's, it's amazing. When Jesus talks about his father, you know, he really says it like his father is, you know, and yet he's, he's, he's God. So I don't know. We can't even begin to unpack. I think one day we should just really spend some time talking about this God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But I think the reverence that Jesus has for God, that me out every time because it just blows my mind because I'm like but you're God yes he is God but he's also different and distinct from God and you see that reverence says I say only what the father has told me to say without my father I can do nothing I did not come by myself he sent me you know and even now they're asking him something says no it's not in my place it's the father you know it's the the loyalty the commitment the love the respect the reverence and yet it's him. I, you know, it's just... <laughs> I pray one day my mind will be big enough to fully understand it. But my spirit, my heart knows that it's true. Because yes, I relate with all three. I relate... I, I know this. I, I know... I can tell when the Holy Spirit is speaking. I can tell when it's Jesus. I can tell when it's God. And sometimes I can tell when it's like all three of them speaking at the same time. So so they are... And, and oh God, it's very difficult to explain. But yeah... They are different, but they are the same. You know, so it's one God. They never contradict one another. But you, you do get that sense of, um, how will I say, of distinction, or of unity in distinction. Well, anyway, I'm not even going to bother explaining it. Three in one, triune God. Let's just explain it that way. It's one God, but God in three persons. Three persons. It's amazing stuff. So, verse 24, when the ten heard this, so the other ten apostles heard this, 
they were or disciples sorry they were in, indignant with the two brothers upset jesus called them together and said you know that the rulers of the gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise exercise authority over them but it will not be so with you instead whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave just as the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So I was reading this um, verse like yesterday or so, or so, and I just thought about it. And you know, that's really in the spirit of a lot of what we've talked about um, today. Is that I mean, he says Jesus was telling them. He says, in the world, the the the, the, the rulers are, are oppressors. They oppress the people that they rule. And their high officials exercise authority over them, as in they subdue them, they subjugate them. That's the way the world works. You know, they, they, they have oppressed, they have not. Those with power, you know, make it very clear, make you feel like you're nothing. He says, but in my kingdom, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be the other way around. But if you want to be great, anyone amongst you who wants to be great in my kingdom, you have to become the servant of all. He says, and whoever wants to be first must become the slave. He says, just in, as the same way the Son of Man did not come to be served. You know, oh Lord. So how is it that we have leaders who carry themselves in the same way as these Gentile lords who are being served, waited on hand and foot? He says the Son of Man did not come to be served. Jesus said he didn't come to be served. But he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And that's why Jesus is, and God is a greater God than any other God. Because all other gods, they come so that people will serve and worship them. God disarmed everybody by coming, laying down his life. Jesus lived a life of service. And the Bible says that the servant is not greater than the master. You cannot be a follower of Christ and be doing something different from what Christ did. And unfortunately, a lot of us Christians, self-included to some extent, and I'm on a journey to changing that, we have presented Jesus so wrong in the world. But everybody, and sometimes these days, even on social media, I see people saying, why do Christians behave like this? This is not what Jesus stands for. Non-Christians calling us out. And then some Christians will say it's persecution. No, it's not persecution. They are telling you the truth. This is not what Jesus stood for. Don't change the gospel. If you want, you want, you know, to do something else, then please don't identify as a Christian and you know, carry your. I mean, create a whole new religion if you want to. You know what I'm saying? But don't call it Christianity. Don't call it Christianity because the life of Christ is well documented. His teachings are well documented. What he lived for is how he lived, how he died. What happened after his death, resurrection, all well documented. Even if we don't talk about his death, which of course his death is even documented. Let's talk about his life, what he stood for. It's well documented. He didn't lord it over everyone. And he was not a materialistic person. And he, he told his disciples not to be materialistic. So this gospel of things that we have embraced is not of God. It is satanic, it is evil, it is demonic, 
and every child of God should reject it. The Son of Man did not come to be served or to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Um, I think it's important for me to continue to reflect on these things because otherwise the spirits of this age will overtake us, will overtake me completely, I'll be gone. In fact, and I think I was even gone. God actually used the crisis that I went through in the past two, three years to, to reset my brain. And that brain is reset for life. I will never, and you know, I was reading a book yesterday. In fact, I'm loving seminary because so many books that I would never have read. Little parchment, and some, and some of my lectures are really nice. They just send us some lovely little articles written by people. One or two pages, you'll be wondering why did this guy send me? So when you read, you're like, oh my goodness, somebody's personal story. And you know, one lady was talking about how trauma and things that you go through can change you. And that, you know, how we should allow ourselves to go through the process and, you know, just, you know, however long it takes and all that, just sit with it, you know, and allow myself to go through the process. And she was talking about the fact that for many people, you you will never go back to who you were before. It was very comforting for me to read that because I have changed so much. And a part of me was like, I've been feeling like, even though I didn't want to go back spiritually, but I, I, I... I missed my happy-go-lucky person because then I was, I was so involved in the world. I was so happy with life. You know what I mean. But I now realize that maybe actually, yeah, I, I was. I, it was comforting to read that when she said that trauma. You, you don't go back to who you were before, and that you shouldn't feel bad if you don't go back to being who you were before because you have gone through a very significant experience and yeah if it was that kind of really really intense whatever yeah i mean what you would hope is that out of it god will you know bring about some spiritual transformational you know experience and which will bless you and bless others but um don't feel bad if you in fact you are not likely to be the same person (laughs) ever again and that's not a bad thing let's let's pray that you know the prayer is that okay let me be a better version of myself but don't beat yourself up over I am no longer that person so that was really really um, good for me because I have also I've you know I've, I went through an experience that and, and that has changed my worldview and not changed it because I wanted to change it changed it because by the time I went into the scriptures I, I, I understood where I had missed it and so I am now resetting my thinking not according to, not based on my experience, but based on what the Bible says. And if my experiences, if I see any illustrative points, then I, yes, then I, I lock it in and say, yes, okay, yes, not only is the Bible saying this, but I, I can also attest to this because I have seen this happen in my life and in the life of others. This is, you know, my life is now an illustration of what the Bible says. But I'm not basing it just on what I experienced. I'm basing it on what the Word of God said and how I can interpret what happened to me through the lens of scripture. So that's what I'm doing. I'm running scripture. It's almost like a program. I am running the Bible as an antivirus through the memory chip of my Christian life. Because I have seen that my Christian life has been infected and polluted and contaminated with teachings, with doctrines, with practices, with a mindset that is completely not of God. It has been bugged, seriously bugged. Viruses 
has been I've been run onto my Christian program, spiritual life program. So I'm running uh, Holy Ghost Antivirus. <laughs> Thank you, Holy Spirit, for that. I'm running the serious. I'm on a debugging program. That's what this is about. So really, when you are on this podcast, please expect to feel a little bit uncomfortable with what I'm saying in some of the things I will talk about because it's debugging. And for everything that I say, I tie it to the Word of God. So it's not me speaking, and it's not me saying. You know, it's it's the Word of God. It's the lens of the Word of God. And if you listen to anything that I say at any point in time, or that we reflect on, because really, it's not really me teaching. It's me reflecting. And sometimes, when I real, you know, if I get, if I reflect and I understand things better, we still come back and we get to it. Um, I would love to hear from you. You know, send me a note through whatever um, platform that you're. Listening to, and you've also seen my name on the, on the, um, on the flyers of the podcast. You can actually, I'm very findable. Um, check me out on my social media pages on LinkedIn. Send me a DM, whatever. Give me feedback. I'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, so thank you very much for listening. Apologies, this has turned out to be really long. I guess it's because I haven't recorded in about two or three days. Uh, yeah, I pray that the Lord will continue to show His will to all of us and teach us that which he would have us know the more we meditate on the word of god the more it will change the way we think because that's the way the mind works we become what we're exposed to i think it's also important to limit how we're exposed to um, doctrine and teachings that are not helpful so there's a limiting but then you can't just it's not enough to withdraw it's also you also need to um to teach because if you don't learn you don't study you don't read then really there's i mean yeah you you there's no point emptying a, a, a cup and then not filling it up. So, but it's important to, like the Bible says, you can't put a, a new wine in old wine skin. So you really need to empty. If there's bad, if there's stuff there that needs to be emptied out, yeah, please by all means empty out, debunk, and the Holy Spirit will show you how what needs to, you know, what needs to be done. But I, um, what I like about reading the Bible for yourself is that. God, the Bible has a way of reading itself to you. The Bible explains itself. It really does. Particularly the New Testament. Honestly, most of the time you don't really need anyone. Things you don't understand in one verse, one passage, by the time you read it a little bit further, you would explain it. And then there are lots of Bible commentaries, wonderful Bible commentaries, concordance Bibles that explain some of these things, you know. And then, yeah, God will do his work with the Holy Spirit as well. So thank you very much for listening. God bless you still.